Uh, tonight is a... Uh, it's a good sound? Great. How's that? No glitch. Um, tonight's a very special night. Um, we're about to witness a baptism of Owen Raven and Matt Head. Um, but first, let me, let me paint a bit of a picture as to what baptism is. Let me give some context to why these guys are going to get up and are going to be baptised. Let's go back a while um, to the place, to the time when God created the world. God who is all-powerful, God who is all-knowing, God who is perfect, God who is love and God who is just. God makes things. He made the earth. He made everything just the way he wanted to make it. God just made it perfect and he made people and he made people with a purpose. Right back in the beginning, God makes people with a purpose and the purpose was that they would live the way he actually intended them to live and that's in perfect relationship with God in a relationship that was marked by love God's love for people and people's love for God that humanity's uh, would be loving, humanity would be loving God through thought, word and deed, just by even uh, enjoying the fact of being his children. Like in the beginning, it would have, the, state of, uh, the state of being for the people before anything happened would have been, they would have, would have been enjoying being uh, in relationship with God, enjoying knowing and being God's love. Just living on the earth would have brought delight and put a smile on God's face. But it wasn't long before this perfect relationship was destroyed and the first people that God created chose to ignore God, chose to flat out reject Him. And then in the blink of an eye, the virus of sin, uh, this rejection of God just swept through all humanity so that today, no one person has not been contaminated by the virus of sin, of rejecting God. Uh, the Bible makes it clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, there's no difference. Every person's the same. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, at, the point, at this point, God would be just. God would be proved right um, by punishing people for their sin. And indeed, the, the, uh, through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6, God says that the wages of sin is death. But God, who is a God of love, his love for people seems to know no bounds. That instead of leaving people in their sin, leaving them in their sad, painful, disconnected state with God, God determined to reconcile people back to himself. He determined to bring people that were far off into a relationship with him. And it's not just one person that he was doing it for. God is making a massive people for himself. A people that are in relationship with each other and a people that are in relationship with God. A people that will again live a life that just shows that they love God. Fundamentally, it's just 
God's making a people that know his love. And so we know, many of us, that God in his great love, he sent his son Jesus Christ, um, that he would die upon a cross. And when he was dying all those years ago, he was receiving the punishment that every person deserves for their sin, for their rejection of God. And that now, whoever believes in Jesus, whoever turns to Jesus and puts their faith in him, they can have their sins forgiven. They can enter into relationship with God again. So Romans 6.23, we just read it before, says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God is making a united people for himself, one person at a time. Every person who repents of their rejection, repent meaning turning away from living for yourself, every person who repents and puts their faith in Jesus that he died for them, they enter into this people. They enter into the kingdom. They have, once again, fellowship with God. This is pretty amazing. This is very amazing that this can now happen again through Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul, um, after preaching to a great, uh, a great crowd of people, um, he was telling them about the need for them to get back into relationship with God through Jesus. And he got some amazing response from the crowd at the time. These people were convicted. They felt the guilt and they felt the shame because they were rejecting God. They felt it. They knew that they were far from this amazing God. And these people, they asked, they asked Peter, they said, what should we do? And then Peter said this. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When people put their faith in Jesus and turn away from the old way of life, they get baptized. Baptism's not done by those who have no faith, nor should a person feel like they can only get baptized when they're mature enough or when they reckon they've got a few other things sorted out in their life. Now, when people come to faith, they get baptized. Baptism is the outward sign that a person has died to living for themselves, died to the old ways of life, and they've received forgiveness for their sin, and they are now living for Jesus. Tonight, we're going to um, see both Matt and Owen, and they're going to go down into the water. They're going to go right under the water. And the symbolism is that they're dying to the old way of life. And then they're going to come out of the water in the images like they're rising to live a new life for Jesus. The image is also one of being washed and purified. Because those people who've put their faith in Jesus, God now sees you through Jesus and he sees you as clean, perfect, would you believe, without blemish. Your sins have been washed away. You're now whiter than snow when God looks at you through Jesus. And finally, baptism shows that a person loves Jesus and they want to live the rest of their days following him in this life.
It's great. I love a good baptism. I wonder if you get encouraged if you're a follower of Jesus, if you follow him. Um, I'm going to invite uh, Matt Head to come up first and share his story, how God's really become real in his life. And why don't you just encourage him? This is a massive thing getting up here, so welcome, Matt. G'day. My testimony is that God is good. Um, since I was very young, um, I've known that God is real and that he's been a big part of my life. As long as I can remember he's real, yes. Um, he's blessed me so much in this life, more than I can think of. Um, I've never really lacked anything that I've ever really needed. God has given me a good family. Um, even um, when he took my father to be with him, he provided a great guy from the church I was with back home that could teach me all the things like woodworking and metalwork and stuff. And he filled all the gaps that I ever needed in my life. He provided me with a car and jobs. And um, when I found out I was coming here, he provided me so easily. Like I knew I was coming to this church family well before I even had moved to this town. God has provided everything for me. It's amazing. When I was a child, I was baptised into the uh, Prezi Church. And when I heard of the idea of adult baptism, I thought it wasn't for me because I'd already been baptised. I thought, no, it's just something I've, I've already done it. I don't need to do it. But um, I guess God revealed to me that he says, if, you, uh, if I love him, that I obey his commands. And one of his commands in um, Matthew 28, final, one of his final commands on earth, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to point out three things from this. Disciples, all nations, and baptising. Firstly, when I was baptised as an infant, I did not know God. I didn't even know how to speak or walk. How could I be a disciple of Jesus? I did not know him. Yet now, I know Jesus as my personal Lord and Saviour. Secondly, all nations. That's all people, everyone, which includes me and you. And finally, baptised, and that is what I'm doing tonight. I want to challenge any of you who haven't already been baptised. If you believe in God, then really you should do it. You don't have to wait till you're good enough or when you're ready. If you believe, then get baptised. I want to public knowledge, acknowledge that I'm a child of God and I'm obeying him by being baptised tonight. And uh, why don't you welcome Owen as well. Um, Owen? Flee the building, no, he's over there. And I kept encouraging him as he continued to walk. Hey, now, um, <laughs> this is the, uh, the shortened version because my mum's in the room. <laughs> Uh, where to start? Well, um, you know, I was brought up in a Christian home with uh, with five older sisters, and well, pretty painful. But um, but church was something that that while I was not particularly phased one way or the other, I was pretty well there because I was told to be. I believed in God, but wouldn't make a commitment. I guess, you know, I just um, didn't really understand too much about it. And um, you know, growing up, I was pretty attached to the world. I had money, I had a nice car, and 
um, women filling my heart and mind that all too often God took a back seat um, to all of the things that, that could be enjoyed in the here and now. And I assure you, things are different now. I joined the Navy at age 19 as a, as a marine technician with a, with a trade in mechanical engineering and um, spent six years doing that. Uh, periodically I'd go to church, which uh, if the mood took me, but, but generally um, this was to catch up with old friends that I'd disappeared on or <laughs> to escape the heat of the engineering spaces when I was at sea. And um, hardly a poster child for God at this stage. Um, come to out 2002, I was deployed to the Arabian Gulf. And um, it was at this time that a few realities became plain after an action with the Iranians. You know, it's funny that we were there to fight Iraq. Um, it brought home the fact that, you know, for five hours in the middle of a, a six-month deployment that, that um, um, I was face to face with my own mortality, which I won't go into detail here as it would take too long. Um, but it was a time that I don't mind admitting that the level of fear I felt at finding oneself looking down the barrel of another's weapon was an experience um, that has proven pretty, pretty difficult to get over. Uh, we were under no illusion as to, as to why we were there. But um, you know, at the beginning of the deployment, um, I think you know we were really a lot more concerned about you know money than the fact that we were sailing for a place where dying was a was a possibility uh, from the moment we sailed into the Gulf. Um, it was during 2002 that I started to drink a whole lot more heavy than than before with the pressure of the job. Um, and the loneliness, it was starting to take its toll on me, so I drank more and more. Uh, the first time it caused a question in my life was after the first deployment. I had three weeks leave, and um, pretty much all except three or four days I spent on a bar stool at the Termo uh, before it burnt down. <laughs> and, um, uh, it wasn't my fault, I promise. <laughs> You know, pretty much I'd rock up there at about 10 o'clock in the morning and, you know, leave it, um, leave it, you know, closing just because I didn't really know what else to do and, um, you know, didn't really know many people back here and I recall I had my dad come and pick me up on the way home and I heard him mutter that his only son was a drunk <laughs> and I can't blame him. It was true for as much as I hated to admit it at the time. Now, it's funny, whenever I came home, I was either drunk or, you know, always gone somewhere. I couldn't sit still. I guess in my heart I thought it might help, and, you know, it's just pretty silly. <laughs> a while later, I was posted again to another ship, which was more of a permanent home to me, and the drinking pr problem continued unabated. We got word that we were sailing for the Gulf again. At first, I was pleased because of the money, but... Um, you know, forgetting pretty much what had happened the last time. Um, in the Gulf, I was made a watchkeeper, which um, is my shift worker, I guess. Uh, so a lot of my waking hours, which was about 20 a day, <laughs> roughly, um, you know, was spent on my own and um, with a lot of time to think about things, namely the fact that I was deep in the belly of a large tin can 
and the fact that escape, if possible at all, in the event of a missile hitting the ship would be difficult, if not impossible. And it plays on your mind after a while. Come a port call, I seem to always be a mess on the booze. What you hear about sailors is unfortunately true, except for the whole gay thing. (laughs) During the second deployment, I got sick. And the long and short of it is I couldn't go to sea anymore um, due to panic attacks, etc. So the Navy discharged me on the grounds of major depressive disorder. So here I was struggling to figure out where I was to go from there and all the while battling suicidal thoughts. I wound up back in Albury after wanting to be anywhere else from where I was. When I got back, I was furnished with professional help from Veterans Affairs, but you know, while that did good, there was still something missing. I didn't know anyone around here except a friend or two from before I left. The turning point came when I decided to give going back to work a go, which was a failed exercise due to health, etc. But the one good thing to come of it was that I met Sandy Taylor, which is uh, Matt's wife, and um, we got to talking and the conversation turned to church. So I ended up visiting Wodonga Baps to check it out and well, never left. It started as a way to meet some people, but rather quickly, through the preaching, I found myself face to face with my life and the kind of person I was. You know, it wasn't too long at all before I gave my life over to God and subsequently been learning more and more about him and about what it means to be a follower of Christ and to live a Christian life. And learning how little things matter, like worrying about money and life, etc. My biggest lesson was when I found myself in a position of having to declare myself bankrupt. But, you know, since coming to God, things, things have always seemed to turn out you know, somewhat right. <laughs> um, I would sooner put my faith in God, who is constant and loves us, than the dollar, which is fickle and doesn't care, if that makes any sense. One thing that has plagued me was the fact that I was single. Since coming to know Christ, the things that I used to value in relationships all seemed to stop mattering. That's a (laughs) real word. (laughs) Um, These days I figure if God wants me to have a wife or a girlfriend, he'll issue me with one. (laughs) I'm sorry, but the major pain lines seem far too apt to leave out. The relationship that matters most is the one I have with God. Everything else will flow from that. Now, I see I must have painted a fairly horrific picture of myself, but God changes people, and he has me. I've been sober for over two years and have a need and a want to live my life for God's glory and not my own. What does being a Christian mean to me? Well, in a word, it means everything. Having lived a sinful life in a crazy world, and seeing things that I don't really care to see again weighed against the love, grace, acceptance to be found in Christ, well, I won't ever go back to the old life, and and how could I? So here I am, being baptised to show that I love Christ and have died to my sins and former life, and with Christ by my side will continue to grow in him until I reach heaven in his time. Isn't it awesome? Come over, guys. Um, I'm just going to pray for these guys. It's just amazing how um, God breaks through into our lives. Kind of varied backgrounds, but how good is our God? So let's let's pray for them. Eh? 
Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your love and grace in Jesus, that you just pursue people, God, and you want people to know your forgiveness and to know your love, and God, to um, live a life that is, uh, that is just pleasing to you, God. Oh, Father, thank you so much for these guys, and we just pray that you would grow them from strength to strength. We pray that you'll grow their love of you, and Lord Jesus, that you would yeah, just really do a mighty work in their lives, Lord God. Thank you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great stuff, guys. promise from this day forth with the help of God's spirit to live each day for the rest of your life to the praise of his name yes great well come forward so let's make a head on the stairs um, on this your profession of faith in Jesus Christ I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit story Owen oh, yeah just such a small part of God's grace in your life man. absolutely um, well Owen uh, do you uh, repent of your sin do you turn away from all the stuff you've done and all the thinking that you've been thinking do you, do you turn away from that and put your faith in Jesus Christ that he died for all your sin on the cross brother absolutely I do it's very good um, do you from this day forward promise with uh all your strength, empowered by God's Spirit, to live each day for the rest of your life as a follower of Jesus. I do. Very good. Well, Matt, uh, on this, the profession of your faith in, in Jesus Christ, um, I now baptise you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we stand as we continue to sing? Christ alone, in Christ alone. Uh, there is no other way to come to God and receive his power and strength in your life but through Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's the only way to come to know God. And we gather together tonight around the table to remember that it's in Christ alone that we are saved. Do you know, if you're a, a lifesaver tonight uh, or if you've done any training in uh, being on the, on the coast guard, you know, or helping people who are swimming and get in danger and fear of drowning, you'll know that one of the biggest dangers for people that are, are, are drowning 
is not uh, other things around, but themselves. They're their own biggest dangers. Because when you start to drown, you will grab and cling to anything to try and save yourself. And often people drown trying to save people drowning. And uh, if you look on any websites, how to, drown, how to save a drowning person, the big thing they say is stay back and throw them something or put a stick out to try and get them. But if, don't go in unless you're experienced and you can uh, save them. Even those that are experienced uh, swimmers know that sometimes the best thing is to wait until they have fought so much that they can fought, fight no more and then go in and save the person. Because before then, a fight may endure because people are panicking and just trying to save them. Some of the best, no, to knock the person out is sometimes the best way to save someone from drowning. Uh, I think it's the same in life. Often we, we struggle in and of ourselves to sort things out. A frantic struggle for life goes on. And uh, Jesus, the only way to come to him is realising that to live, you have to give up fighting. You have to surrender. You have to die to yourself and give your life over to the hands of Jesus who can save you. Uh, dying to ourselves is, is saying, I'm, I'm giving up from doing what I think is best. I'm giving my life over into your hands. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm confessing it. I'm not making excuses anymore or pretending it didn't happen or, or thinking that I have the strength to conquer sin in my own life by, by doing more good things than bad things. It's actually saying, God, I'm sorry and I'm turning around. I'm dying to my old way of life and I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I want to be washed by you. Baptism that we have witnessed tonight is such a clear, strong symbol of what it means to come to Jesus. You would have noticed the guys tonight just going backwards, you know. Uh, it's saying, God, everything I have, I'm surrendering to you. Is, they put themselves in Phil's hands as they go, went right under tonight as you saw them. And this is saying oh, we can't live on our own. We're surrendering to you, Jesus. And coming up out of the water signifies the new life that we receive when we realise that life comes from dying to ourselves. Life comes from surrendering all that we have and all that we are over to Jesus. In Romans 6 and verses 3 and 4, Paul said these words, Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We died to ourselves so that in Christ's death on the cross, we can find the forgiveness that he 
made possible through us, for dying in our place, for taking upon himself our sin. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as we die to ourselves, we put our trust in Jesus who died in our place on the cross, taking upon himself our sin and making it possible for us to be reunited to God and live a new life, not in our power, not in our strength, but a life surrendered to Jesus and the life-saving power of his Holy Spirit. He conquered death. He conquered sin. 1 Peter 3.18 said, For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous, the unblemished Lamb of God, the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. The righteous for the unrighteous, us, sinners, guilty, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive in the spirit. So we die to ourselves and find new life in Christ. This is what happens when we come to Jesus. And the incredible thing of dying is that we find new life in Christ. We find many friends. Just look around. It's not a lonely thing being a Christian because God has been bringing people to himself and the one common factor in his people, in his church, is that none of us deserve to be part of his family. Each of us have been drowning to the point where we were taken in far too much water and almost dead. And only through Christ's saving are we here. That's why in Romans 12 and verse 5 says, though we are many, we are one body. We are one body in Christ. This table is for all who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. You don't have to have been baptised or be a member of this church. It's faith in Christ that saves you. And today, as we gather at this table and as we share in this meal together, all that you need to know is that Jesus died for you and you have responded in faith. And now you're living in Christ alone, trusting in him. If that's you, these, ta- these elements take on incredible meaning. The, the, the bread, broken, all comes from one loaf, one body, Christ's body, which unites us all. And though we are many, we're all united in Christ. And as we take the bread, we remember that he died on the cross for us so we can have life. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you for your death. Thank you for dying in my place. And as we take the cup, we we remember the blood that was shed so that we could be forgiven. This is a precious time. Because not only do we remember that we have surrendered to Christ alone, that his cross, the cross and his resurrection have made it possible for this new life. But we celebrate it together in this great family. It's no wonder God 
that's transforming lives through this community because Christ is here. Let's pray as we come to share in this meal. God, we come humbly. We come broken. We come because, God, we need a saviour. We look to you, Jesus, and we surrender afresh our lives to you. Because taking our own lives in our own hands, we know leads to destruction. We come thanking you for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We come thanking you for this new life that comes through your death and resurrection. And we come thankful that tonight you are here with us. You are risen, Lord. And that you have made us all one who trust in you. We share this meal with great thankfulness. God, for your love in sending your son. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's share in this meal together. And as you're served, why don't you take the bread and why don't you eat it as you served it. And just that's eating it on your own there is just saying, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. This is a decision I have made. I am putting my trust in you. And then why don't you hold on to the cup and we'll drink together. If you're unsure of who Jesus is, please just let these go. It will be a silly thing to take bread and eat it from a cup that you just don't understand. I'd encourage you to keep searching out to find out who Jesus is. But tonight, if you know him and love him, please share in this meal with thankfulness for what he's done. Let's share together. Let's drink together with great thankfulness that Christ has flooded your heart through his cross and that we're part of his family. Let's drink.